0: I may have mentioned before but I'm a lover of sport and if you watch something like a rugby match on television uh, these days one of the things you'll notice is that the commentators and the experts who are reviewing a match often talk about how the best teams, the winning teams are the ones who manage the defining moments in a match really well. They're able to manage those and to do them well. So it's not about whether you're the fittest, the strongest, the healthiest, the most skillful, the most gifted, or the most determined. Actually, it's about whether you recognise what's going on in the game and you can manage it under pressure, the most severe pressure. You can manage to continue to do the things you're good at and to maintain your composure. They manage defining moments. That's what Bath didn't do last weekend, but hopefully they get another go at it this weekend coming recognising the defining moments in our lives. It's absolutely essential if our work lives are to flourish, our home lives are to flourish, our um, interests and hobbies are to kind of grow into life and for us as a church as well to understand what season we're in, to know when to act and when to wait, to know when to stop and when to start. Biblically it's about knowing what season you're in, what time you're in. So, for example, if a bride and groom come to a wedding day, that's the moment where they both say, I do. When a friend or uh, someone in your family is down and feeling weighed down, that's not the moment to pile in. It's a moment to lift them up. To lift them up and to encourage them and to spur them on. Or when a God-given opportunity comes in your way that you've been longing for, that's not the moment to step back and to walk away from it. It's a moment to step forward, and to know that's the key moment of embracing what's being given to you. We left the narrative of Exodus last week, with God beginning to take centre stage in our story, having been previously in the background. At the end of Exodus 2, God heard the cries of the Israelites. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. God looked at the Israelites. God understood. In our reading today God is getting the attention of Moses in a dramatic encounter calling him to be God's leader of the Israelites to take them from slavery and from bondage into freedom. What we'll discover is God calls Moses in but then he also sends Moses out. So Exodus 3 begins with these words. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. On this particular day, like any other day, when Moses was tending Jethro's flock near Mount Horeb, Moses saw something, something incredibly unusual, a bush that was on fire but not being consumed. This is verse 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I would go over and see this strange sight. Why, the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he <coughs> had gone over to look, God called him from within the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said, take off your sandals, for the place you are standing on is holy ground. In the Old Testament, the Lord's messenger or the angel of the Lord appears at some points at a separate being, while at other points it seems to be a way of referring to God's direct appearance to an individual. God's appearance at Mount Horeb was in the form of flames in a bush. God often appears in Scripture in the midst of flames. In Genesis 15, we have Abraham appearing to Abraham as a fiery flame. In Exodus 13, we'll discover God leads his people as a pillar of fire. At Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on those first disciples as flames of fire. Here, Moses encounters God in a fire of infinite being and infinite power. Moses has a radical, life-changing encounter. Blaise Pascal, who was a brilliant French philosopher of the 17th century, had spent his life believing in God, writing about God and understanding God. Then he had an experience an encounter with God one night. And he wrote a little journal account of it and actually he actually sewed it into the collar of his coat and when he died it was found in the collar of his coat. And this is what he wrote. He said in the year of grace 1654 on Monday the 23rd of November from about half past 10 in the evening until about half past 12. Fire! God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not the philosophers and the savants. Certitude! Certitude, feeling, joy, peace, joy, 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 tears of joy. This is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Has that happened to you? Has that happened to you? Have you encountered God like that? That's what happened to Moses too and some of you are going to say yeah well yes that was Moses he was called to amazing things for God but we see that same pattern throughout scripture of God calling and drawing people in God disturbing us getting our attention intervening so that we will respond and as we respond then God calls out to us Moses Moses it's the most beautiful sound in the world to hear God speak your name do you know that? Have you heard God speak your name today? Then what does God say? It now mean, take off your sandals. I'm not a tame God. I'm a holy God. Don't mess with me. Then consider what God says next to Abraham from verse 6. Then he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. At this Moses hid his face because he's afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I've indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drives and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hiphites and the Jebusites. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people The israelites out of egypt do you know occasionally we may have that burning bush experience like moses had when we hear an audible voice of god and it's profound and dramatic but in my experience we also have much smaller moments where we hear a whisper of god as we're reading scripture as we're praying as we're discussing our faith with others as we're worshiping singing or listening to god or listening to god's word Notice how having seen, heard the pain of the Israelites, God responded by showing up in a burning bush to an 80-year-old shepherd. Not just any 80-year-old shepherd. He found a shepherd who was fluent in the Egyptian language, who had been an insider when it came to Egyptian power and rule, philosophy, religion, law, governance, and leadership. God called and sent a person. God said to Moses, I have a mission for you now. Get going, I'm sending you. We're not meant to miss this. God sometimes chooses, calls, and uses the most unlikely people to do his work in the world, because God sees the whole picture. And obviously God's usual way of working to alleviate the pain, the suffering, the injustice, and to share the good news is through people. God works through people. And God works, wants, wants to work today through you and through I. We are God's hands and his feet on this earth. God sees here and knows the suffering of others. God expects his people to step up, to be instrument of his aids to a world that's crying out for help. But Moses in verse 11 said to God, Who am I? This is what you are to say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. Do you notice what happens when God says, now go? This is wonderful, isn't it? Moses says, oh, oh look, please send someone else. Moses doesn't feel up to it. And chapter 4, four has this ongoing dialogue between Moses. Moses wrestle with that sense of being inadequate what God has called God calling to and also the scale of the task ahead of him but God is so patient never give up he gives Moses a message he gives them a team he gives them signs and in a wonderful dialogue between Moses and God God says say that I am has sent you The pre-existent, self-sufficient, eternal God, the one with no beginning and no end, has sent you. You know, we have a God who is so patient with us, so committed to us. He works with us and has a purpose for each one of us this morning. What a God! What a God! He's not a tame God. He's a fiery God. He's the real God who calls our names with love and affection. He calls us out into the world to fulfil his purposes with his being with us. Are you listening today and will you respond? Is today one of those defining moments where you need to say yes to God, to his call on your life as he's prompting you to follow him today? Let's pray. Give us, Father, this day an ability to see you and hear you and to follow you in obedience. Thank you for your call on our lives. Thank you that you are beckoning each one of us to you this morning, drawing us in and showing us who you are. But as we do that, Father, we realise that you're also a magnificent and holy God and you send us out to make a difference, to fulfil your purposes in this world. Father, would you do that amongst us this day? In Jesus' name, amen.